Villains in fiction tend to fit a certain template. Erudite, aristocratic, queer-coded, monologuing, and vaguely British. There's nothing wrong with that, but it gets a little old after a while. And though I personally absolutely love campy villains in movies, it rarely works for me on the page. Without an over-the-top scenery-chewing actor to bring the corny dialogue to life, it just falls flat for me. So for this episode of Write Good, we're going to take a look at some real-life villains and see how fiction measures up. With me today is Kelton of Psychic Dolphin Garage and Garbage In, Garbage Out. Thanks for joining us. Hey, happy to be here. It's always a fun time. I'm feeling not at all out of my element having a serious discussion on villains instead of uh, making dick jokes on the internet. <laughs> but I'm guessing your your podcasts are a little bit political, so a lot of these guys we're going to talk about tonight are probably people you're, whose stories you're familiar with. Unfortunately so, yeah. yes. It's a surprising amount of crossover between that. <laughs> Right. Studying the news and getting used to the horrifying realities that we live in. Oh, yeah. Always yeah. a joy. Yeah. But before we get into real life villains, let's talk a little bit about the standard campy villain template. Because Disney villains especially are notorious for this, but genre fiction a lot. Um, honestly, a lot of YA fiction too, even if it's not like speculative often has kind of similar villains. I mean, they have a very similar sense of style. There's lots of purples. There's usually a cape involved, gloves. <laughs> um, they love to monologue and do these monologues in which they explain exactly their motivations and their master plan. They're usually brilliant, at least very selectively brilliant. And usually there's a traumatic event during their formative years that led directly to the specific thing they're mad about. So for example, if the villain of a movie hates women, then it's probably because a woman did something bad to him or his mom was real mean or something. <laughs> well, of course, it has to be the woman's fault in some way, right. shape, or form. Right. But in general, it's just, here's this very specific thing that led very specifically to the thing that I'm mad at. Whereas human psychology is often a lot weirder, a lot less sensible. Like, uh, this guy's really misogynistic. What happened to him? His father was abusive. Wait, what? Like, over and over again, that's the case. <laughs> that's, but his father was a man? I don't... Okay. All right. They tend to be very colorful, but they're often very self-aware, like, oh, I love being evil. And usually there's some kind of grand plan, like uh, the serial killer in Seven, John Doe, had a very grand plan, a master plan of, I'm, I'm going to cleanse the world of evil and, and get people thinking about the seven deadly sins. There's always some, like, I'm going to take over the world, grand, extraordinary plan. I mean, the, the same is true with uh, Kevin Spacey in real life, I guess. So. <laughs> you know, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Although his his Christmas mug, his Christmas oven mitts, I don't know if they quite hold up to the villainous purple cape. <laughs> that apron. You think it's a little bit more glitter to qualify, Yeah, well, if you wear the so. apron on your back, then it's a cape. <laughs> That's very true. What are aprons, but front capes? They're front capes for baking <laughs> instead of back capes for evil. So he got it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> There's now some super villain origin story about an evil baker yeah. where that's like the defining moment. We're about to see that yeah. on some... Marvel TV show right now, <laughs> undoubtedly. 
So let's look at how that holds up in real life. We're going to stick with English-speaking villains of the past 30 years or so. My foreign languages are not particularly great, so I don't feel comfortable critiquing the nuances of another person's speech patterns very well. And since most writers aren't doing a lot of historical fiction, I figure, well, let's kind of stick with the here and now-ish. And so we're going to look at a series of real-life villains and kind of score them in four categories. Speech, style-slash-mannerisms, origin story, and master plan. (laughs) It's a a four-quadrant cycle that I think uh, we we can (laughs) run through all these people in. Um, Now, are we supposed to be grading them? Like, who has the best origin story or who has the best speech patterns uh, as we go through? Hmm. Well, why don't we look at it at the end and think, okay, which of these holds up closest to a sort of fictional camp villain? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, because there's some competition. We are going to start in the (laughs) financial sector with a really horrifying villain uh, who who died under uh, questionable circumstances, Jeffrey fucking Epstein. That's right. When when people talk about uh, crimes in the financial sector, Epstein technically qualifies, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he uh, works in finance, although according to the people who, many of his victims, they never remember him actually working. Crazy. He's just that good at his job, like, apparently. He never uh, went, to, appeared to go to an office of any kind. It was really extraordinary. It's very questionable. Like, where did the, this money come from? There's a lot of unanswered questions here <laughs> in this case. There's... <laughs> There's a lot going on here. <laughs> I'm just glad that we're going to devote uh, the entirety of this episode and the next 48 episodes analyzing every single issue about Jeffrey Epstein. Right. That, that hasn't been done before, right? Right. But uh, let's start with speech patterns. It, it's really hard to find audio of his voice. He was a little reclusive about that, but his speech patterns are just sort of regular, bland New York City guy. As you become known as a philanthropist, or in giving away money, then you become the perfect victim for frauds and identity theft. So, accent not British at all. Disappointing. <laughs> I wonder if he has that almost uh, overly New York Dustin Hoffman-esque style <laughs> accent to him. Because I, I could possibly see that, although that would make him seem, I guess, almost relatable in a weird way. Instead of having that bizarre aloofness. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman doesn't play too many supervillains, as far as I'm I'm aware. All right. Style and mannerisms. He dressed like a fucking slob, so he was not fabulous at all. Very sloppy. Not a fit king. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm going by a Vanity Fair uh, profile of him that was published in 2019. He didn't drink or take drugs or smoke. He didn't like to be around people who did. He practiced yoga. He showered many times a day, so he was a bit of a germaphobe. Gotta get that guilt off somehow. Right. He abhorred restaurants and ate whole grains, proteins, and leafy greens. He believed in transhumanism and had a theory that if you had too much muscle mass, you wouldn't be as smart as you could be. Which, (laughs) that just always strikes me as like the, the theory proposed by a little weenie guy who doesn't lift. 
Exactly. I, w- I was about to say, like, any guy who benches sub 300 has the same theory uh, all the way through at the gym. So. Well, I'm too smart. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the best example of that uh, just simply not being true in the real world is the actor who played uh, Ivan Drago. Yeah, yeah, um, Dolph Lundgren. That's right. I mean, the the man just looks like he's chiseled from a block of granite and look like he could be uh, an old-timey Norse god of yore. And uh, he, he's a legitimate genius and has actually accomplished it. So instead of you know having this bizarre genius cult around him, he just actually uh, decided he wanted to do acting instead, which, man, what a life. I know, I know. Doesn't he have, like, a, an advanced degree in... It was something really comp. It was like astrophysics or something crazy like that. Like something really yes, smart. Uh, and chemical engineering, uh, wow. I know, was one of them. Uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he is one of those things of where he could be cast in the role of like a Harvard uh, or MIT style professor, and unfortunately, he no one would believe him in that role, right. even though he might actually be the most knowledgeable for that particular role. Right. It's a uh, j- just. Just man, what a way to get pigeonholed early on I in know, your career. I know. Still, he's he's making crazy money to work out and be and have a great time. So you know what? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm not not gonna pour one out for him yeah. quite yet. <laughs> he's doing okay. I, I I think honestly, if most if most of us had the choice, would you like to be pigeonholed as a giant, muscular, gorgeous beast hunk? I think most of us would say, all right. I wouldn't <laughs> mind that. <laughs> okay but returning back to uh someone way less um, muscular and smart uh epstein according to uh Truanon's really really good interview with one of his former victims maria farmer she said she thought he was creepy and too smiley and something she mentioned that i thought was really interesting is that he had a lot of people he was influencing. He had a lot of people in his social circle, including the Clintons and Donald Trump and just just startling amounts of influential politicians, business leaders, and academics. But he never had any friends. Like he would tell his, have those friendship conversations that you and I would have with our close friends. Instead, he would have them with his staff. Uh, that's, that's, I can I can picture like the cinematic level of it now when Adam Sandler inevitably gets cast to play Jeffrey Epstein oh my God. in some like you know dramatic role fashion of where he's just talking about oh he isn't able to forge these real connections and so he's <laughs> trying to go back to a simpler time blah 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 right. blah 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 right oh and apparently he had absolutely shit style startlingly tacky decor. His Florida mansion, and this was in the 1990s, had thick shag carpeting. So that's oh. inexcusable. I mean, that is disgusting. If you're going to be committing crimes, especially the types of crimes he was committing, shag carpet probably isn't the uh, uh, ideal service floor plan that it's you want to It's basically have. a giant DNA swab. You don't want to keep one of those in your home. Yeah. I would have, I see. I always expect him to just be like 1970s linoleum, kind of mm. just you know something yeah. very clinical about that. But it it's even more bizarre to realize that he was uh, kind of a loser 
weakling with no real taste. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Rich people I found over and over again have really shitty taste most of the time. Like I used to work in a resort where we had a lot of wealthy clientele and they legitimately like didn't know what good cuisine was. We would just <laughs> the food we would serve them a lot of it was just like kind of Cisco brand. This is from a giant can of something and they thought it was fucking great. It's cafeteria food. Glorified cafeteria oh, food. It's like, uh, I mean, I, I hate to bring him up, but I mean, it's a lot like with, with Trump and steaks. Oh, totally. But where he likes them to be like super duper well done and eats them with ketchup. It, right. Just the worst dad at a barbecue is what he is. Yeah, zero taste at anything. So it, rich people are not very good taste makers because they just they don't know what good taste is. They sort of pay <laughs> other people to figure out how to make things look nice, but... They only kind of pay people who already agree with them. Yeah. So that's a that, problem. It moves to the snail's pace, I suppose. Yeah. Anyways, I tried to find out a little bit more about his past. See, was there some sort of formative incident, some sort of serious childhood trauma that made him like this? I couldn't find anything. It looks like he had kind of a normal middle class upbringing. His dad worked for the Department of Parks and Rec. He was just really good at making connections and treating everything like an object of profit, and he got rewarded for that, and that's how he treated people, and that's sort of what he turned into. Uh joy. I, I'm just trying to imagine what that take-your-kid-to-work day would be, because <laughs> to someone, that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid, like, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name's Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> and there was a time when people were like, okay, Jeff. Well, Jeffy, uh, it certainly was great to have you around right now. Boy, d never be a stranger. Uh, just it's, yeah, it's weird, weird to think about. But, like you you're, know. you're kind of hoping like he must have been grown in a vat or exactly. <laughs> some failed I mean, experiment. Like now it sounded like he was just kind of a normal kid who had a whole lot of fucking red flags. He taught at private schools a lot and kept getting dismissed for Oof. some reason, except that the administrators kept giving him good recommendations afterwards. So it's, good it's job all, there. It's like that deacon strategy in the Catholic Church. About like, why does this guy keep bouncing around everywhere? Oh, he just loves teaching kids. That, that's what really he is. Great. He's a yeah, real fixer. Yeah. So what was his master plan? I mean, in, in movie villains, and this guy was a very grandiose guy. I mean, he had like a private slave island. That's pretty Bond villain-ish. But yeah. <laughs> Bond villains at least have some sort of master plan. What was this fucker's master plan? I cannot tell. I mean, if I had a guess, do you remember that New York Times article? Probably, I, I want to say it's a year and a half now, but it's probably just you know less than a year because time is fake. Yeah. But about how Jeffrey Epstein was hoping to like seed the human race with his DNA right. on like a giant farm, like that that seemed to be like his ultimate plan. If I had to give him one, other than just be like the CIA default guy to get blackmail on the rich and powerful, um, what one or the other, I guess. Short term versus long term plans, as you would say in the dating world, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I mean, that, that sense of immortality, it, it seems to be really common among these rich guys, too. I mean, Elon Musk said he always wanted a ton of children, but had zero plan to ever interact with any of them. Peter Thiel <laughs> has spoken quite a bit about how mort human mortality is 
simply a, what is it, a bad mindset, or and I will transcend it by drinking the blood of virile young men. So... <laughs> Yeah, th- there's a lot wrapped up in good old T-Dog uh, with uh, his mentality. Yeah, Good yeah. lord. But yeah, immortality is a really common thread among these very rich people. I guess if you devote your entire life to money and thinking about, I'm going to die and that's it, then, m- then my money goes away. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, all it <laughs> takes is you know one Ponzi scheme or one issuance of just not being the biggest fish in the pond. And then that doesn't mean anything. So then it just goes back to genetics, I suppose, and mm-hmm. figuring out, well, I mean, I'm not the type to settle down. So time to make a baby ranch out in Wyoming <laughs> or something. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's do uh, an Epstein-related one. I'm probably mispronouncing her name. I'm going to miss... I'm. You know what? I'm probably going to pronounce her name like eight different ways over the course of this. His enabler slash girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell. And I have no uh, idea yes. if I'm pronouncing her name right. I feel she absolutely shares top billing with him. Um, because See, I, I've always pronounced it Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine, I like I, that. I, I, I also know that that's probably wrong, too. It's probably so, wrong, uh, but I think it's okay <laughs> to mispronounce the name of someone like that. And yeah. it seems pretty appropriate. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those bizarre instances of being like, oh, yeah, have you heard of that guy, Adolf Hitler? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me? You're being very rude. That's not how you pronounce his name. Show some respect. <laughs> yeah. That's the issue. It's there, right yeah. there. Uh- <laughs> I noticed that my speech today was leveraging technology to create a global ocean community. I'm going to change that on you, and I'm going to leverage technology to create a new country. I'm the founder of uh, an internet project called the Terramar Project. It's an ocean-based digital platform uh, which I'm going to be talking to you about. It's tricky to find uh, recordings of speech by her, but she had a pretty disgusting sense of humor. A friend of hers says she used to joke about keeping herself real thin because Epstein liked thin girls, and she would say, I do it the way Nazis did with the Jews. The Auschwitz died. I just don't eat. Ha <laughs> ha. My God. Extremely cool. I, I, there's a lot to be wrapped up in that sentence there. Man. Okay. That's, that's, I mean, at, at what point do you think, like on what day of not eating or of doing methamphetamines to make sure that then you are able to quell the hunger pangs, do you think... And you look in the mirror and you think, maybe he's not going to uh, see me like he sees those other girls because I'm over the age of 17. Right. You know? It's just bizarre. All right. So let's look at the style slash mannerisms. Sort of typical NYC career woman style, appalling haircut, that weird like short hair, almost a mullet thing. Not a great idea. Really, it's really <laughs> unexcusable haircut. And it could have been okay in the early 90s, but she held on to it <laughs> way beyond. Do you think that it's the same logic as like the, the old guys with their newsy hats 
I'm like, well, it was popular <laughs> 60 years ago, and it's coming back around to being popular now, and now it's no longer popular. I was, <laughs> It came back once. It can come back again. Yes. <laughs> Those are at least charming, though. Like the newsy caps, like an old guy in a newsy yeah. cap. Like, that's all right. Uh, not, not to reveal too much of how much a loser I was in high school, but... Uh, I never wanted to be one of those fedora bros um, uh, until I went to the Greek festival over in Houston. And then I found a Greek sailing hat that is basically just a fedora, but with better trim around it. Yes. And uh, I was like, this, this is the hat for me. <laughs> and I ironically wore that for a good half of a year. Nice. Uh, man, highlight, highlight fashion choice over here in Houston, <laughs> Texas. All right. Maria Farmer, one of Epstein's victims, referred to Ghislaine's style as glitzy and tacky, quote unquote. Still very charming, obsessed with Ralph Lauren, very theatrical, and she had the villainous British accent. (laughs) So there's that. I mean... uh... Now, if we were to be making the inevitable Epstein film, again, starring Adam Sandler here, Mm. um, would Ralph Lauren, you think, be okay with that level of uh, sponsored advertising? Because I could see them not feeling comfortable, but also simultaneously being pretty all right with it as a decision. Uh, Yeah, I could see them being completely okay with it. It's like, it's so transgressive and edgy. (laughs) I mean anorexia and and sexual exploitation of minors that that i think suits with the fashion industry pretty fucking well oof oof (laughs) oh god oh oh boy hitting the nail on the head there this is hgtv all of a sudden we would never accept starving girls what no not in my industry (laughs) not in my fashion industry <laughs> I would love that the CEO of Ralph Lauren. Wait, hold on. They're doing what? Yeah. How long? For how long have they not been eating? Oh my god! Well, how many people know about this? Yeah. Everyone, everyone knows about this. I mean, this was the industry that had, at least back in the '90s. Remember that whole trend, heroin chic? Oh, that's where it like right. deliberately sought out emaciated heroin addicts to be fashion models. Mm. It's a really good industry that's very good for women. It's <laughs> fucking great. Uh, it's so good. This is happening at the same time that like every one shitty high school garage band was getting signed. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I think the genders are being treated equally here. This is, this is nice. <laughs> Why do you think so many 90s girls got into witchcraft? It's just like the real world. No, I need I need to stick pins in a doll. I need to light some candles and chant. Uh, <laughs> I'm out of uh, here. I'm just picturing uh, Miss Maxwell watching Charmed, going like, "This is me. I I relate to these characters." <laughs> oh God. So moving on to her origin story, she has a way more interesting origin story than Jeffrey. Um, She's the daughter of a disgraced publishing tycoon, Robert Maxwell, who was himself a Holocaust survivor, though she and the other kids were raised Anglican. He was disgraced because of financial discrepancies in his business dealings, not not for fucking kids, um, officially. 
However, <laughs> here's where it gets a little creepy. Uh, Ghislaine was Robert's favorite child, and he forbade her from openly dating boys or bringing them home. Uh, so, hmm. righty. All right. Perfectly normal so thing for a dad to set up with his daughter. Yeah. So that's something. Um, there's a lot going on there. So in terms of master plan, a, course, uh, a source close to Maxwell says that she spoke very glibly and confidently about getting girls to service Epstein, saying that was what she wanted. And she always thought that if she just did one more thing for Jeffrey to make him happy, that he would marry her. Her goal was to just get this fucking disgusting piece of shit to marry her. And and that really, just to expand out just slightly, that seems to be like the trademark of a cult, right? That yeah. when you have one kind of schlubby dude who suddenly is getting like this rock star woman to do all of the dirty work She's for like him. She's like Sila or whatever her name was in that wild, wild country. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or uh, 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 from... Smallville, right? That the actress was Smallville with the the Nixium sex cult. Oh, right, that right, was right. Taking over. Yeah. Man, just I'm I'm just saying that uh, it's a good thing I don't know any attractive people immediately near me. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> cult like, let's get this shit started. Yeah. Got nothing better to do in quarantine. Or the Manson girls. Now that I think of it, a lot of these were like attractive women, and he was just this beardy, gross, failed fake, mu- failed folk musician. They're like, yeah, I'll kill for him. Now, how many attractive women though have gone after vaguely bearded, quasi hipster vibe kind of uh, dudes? I mean, every DSA couple. Let's be real. <laughs> oh no! Oh god! <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it's so it's so it's a little bit saddening though. It, I feel weird saying this. It, I mean, she, if she, it's so pathetic to see someone like doing all this evil stuff for a man. It's like, you know, start your own evil cult. Yeah. Just Lane, come on. Believe in yourself. Believe in your fucking more traffic young boys. Leaders. Okay. Like practice some self care. Do evil on your own behalf. <laughs> it's it's the classic case of uh just not really giving a woman her her proper agency yeah. uh, don't let herself be defined by the man that she is with uh, strike out on her own have yeah. have confidence darkest version reboot yeah, of how Stella's entire life fails the bechdel test <laughs> really extraordinary <laughs> My God. Okay. Do we want to talk about the Koch family? I didn't really put down much about those guys. I don't know much about them, unfortunately. It's like such a big thing. I mean, yeah, uh, there's not really a whole lot to talk about with the Kochs, other than the fact that, you know, they're just like blatantly evil. They're evil. And they're sharks in the degree that, you know, there were three of them, and then they kicked one of the other brothers out because he was only like regular evil. As opposed to super duper evil like the other two. Yeah. And then one of them died. And Yay. then good old Wyatt, who's the son of the kicked out brother. Oh. He's just riding high, doing like dummy fat guy Hawaiian shirt shtick. My father said to me, Wyatt, you can do whatever you want to in life, but just make sure you do it well and you do it with passion. 
every day I go to the office, I enjoy creating the clothes. I want my shirts to be able to be worn in the boardroom or in a discotheca or a nightclub or on a yacht. Like he is just a Tommy Bahamas come to life. This kind <laughs> of his whole general vibe. Yeah. Only he's really trying to pitch this Hawaiian shirt line like it's something that's truly groundbreaking. And it almost seems like a Tim and Eric sketch, really, that, that's come to life. Because oh he's talking God. about this like it's going to be something that is going to really set forward like a social statement to people. Yeah. Whether and you're at the boardroom or the discotheca. <laughs> Precisely. And uh, the, the general stance, I think, for any sort of fashion is if you can picture Margaritaville being played in the background <laughs> while your fashion is occurring, probably not as cutting edge as you uh, originally think. And and something interesting that uh, a friend of mine pointed out, he, he was a fashion writer, um, is that the shirts, even size small, are really shapeless around the midsection. So like Perfect. they're cut for a fat guy, even when they're sized for a thin person. Yeah, they're just in, they're, he made an entire company purely for shirts for himself to wear, <laughs> which I almost respect in a way. Yeah, these are shirts for me. This is my clothing. This is line. my clothing line. You guys can wear it if you feel like it, but like I'm just really comfy. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling confident. Yeah, woke like, it's body called positive team, and he's got it. <laughs> He's the antithetical fashion statement to the heroin era, as we were talking right. about earlier. So, which way, Western man? I would not mind seeing more villains a la Wyatt Coke with, with his fashion sense, though, instead of the purple cape. Just the most gloriously fucking tacky shirt of all time. <laughs> Just a doofy ginger guy trying to pose with models who are all sort of leaning away from him in every shot of his little advertisement. Yeah, he uh, he seems to almost have accepted the fact, though, that they would be there for money for him. And uh, I, I can I can really get behind that level of self-awareness. You know, yeah. That's, that's the real box. I think he checks off more than any of the others. Is uh, He knows what's up. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's ridiculous, but he's less of a monster. So I'll give him credit for that. Although, although the money to fund that goofy shirt company did come from building oil derricks for the Nazis, so that's uh, not the best. Yeah, let he who has not inherited wealth <laughs> from Nazis cast the first stone in this <laughs> elite social club. Uh. <laughs> And that is such a thing. Whenever you look at like any prominent family, you start seeing just Nazi business ties all over the fucking place. It's wild. Yeah. The Bush family, they were, I yeah, yeah, they like I traded with the Nazis say, yeah. until it was officially banned. And, and it, it, I wrote a short story where the character who is this like awful tech lord industrialist, like his family built their fortunes desi designing ovens for Buchenwald and like some readers complained like oh that's so over the top that's so on the nose I'm like it's really fucking not dude <laughs> yeah it, it everything and I, again not, I don't want to you know make any generalizing statements about any writer's particular audience or you know what what gets gets pushed out but a lot of people who make that criticism I feel like you need to ask some follow-up questions 
about like, well, what is your general knowledge about, you know, the ruling elites in America? Yeah. Like what, what, what have you actually done your own research on? Cause I guess if you are kind of a uh, flyover state head in the sand type that reading a story like that would be, Oh my God. Oh, whoa. Oh, this is so out there. Previously, the most edgy thing I had ever read was Twilight by that Stephanie Meyer lady. And so um, I, I guess to those people, it would it would certainly rock their world. But yeah. my point is, keep that up. Go for the shock value. Double down on it. Make it even more ridiculous oh, and yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> and what is the Koch family's master plan? I mean, Wyatt is to wear comfy, comfy shirts and feel like a big a big good boy and i respect he, that he's achieved his master plan he has like a tropical island somewhere yeah. and, you he's know, wearing his shirts on a on a yacht with a bunch of pretty ladies that he paid to be there so good for him yeah. i guess like he is definitely the one guy who i would love to join his fantasy football team like that just <laughs> sounds like the most amazing time like problematic fave is my point so far on this list compared to of course jeffrey epstein i feel like he would be really easy to bully oh and that would that that would be a good time like being invited to someone's yacht and just like giving him noogies the entire ride think of the peer pressure you could get away with oh god you could make him eat a bug (laughs) no no they do that all the time in other countries it's a delicacy over there man it's you an need aphrodisiac to try it. in some cultures. Yeah. See that woman you paid to it be here? I bet she would love I promise. <laughs> I swear to God, bro. <laughs> there we go. That's where it's going to actually come <laughs> all boiled down to right there for poor little man. Um, for, for their master plans, though, I mean, I really just think it's this bizarre hyper-capitalist. Like, yeah. their master plan is... To just keep on growing like a cancer and uh, accumulating more and more like a dragon hoarding gold. Right. Like, it's just kind of what th- there is no end point. It's a constant infinite horizon they're looking to. Right. Just we want to make more money and eliminate anything that prevents us from making more money. Whether that's yeah. like democracy or environmental law or, or the, just the environment. But I mean, like, that's, that's that. a miserable life, though. I mean, uh, I understand it's not one and the same, but it's like with with social media influencers, where you know, like, well, how many million followers or views or whatever do you need right. before you consider that a successful video or before you feel happy? And you know, it, it just it is never ceasing. Yeah. It's trying to fill a void. Yeah. inside and it's evident of that so and they know a lot of people want to kill them so that it's not like they can like have a normal human conversation like everywhere you go you have to be surrounded by a massive security crew if you're staying at a hotel you've got to like rent out that entire floor because your neighbor might try to like drill a hole in the wall and stab you in your sleep or something like it's pretty fucking severe so like that's the life you've got to, you've got to live and you've got to be willing to live that life of extreme isolation and everyone wants you dead in exchange for i don't know an, yet another house meanwhile you look out in the distance and there's wyatt coke on yet another jet ski living his <laughs> <Yeah>. best life <laughs> slowly lifting his sunglasses and making eye contact with the camera <laughs> while eye of the tiger plays there's no way he's actually this cool, unfortunately. 
Okay, so let's head from finance over to Silicon Valley, which is a land of some pretty extraordinary villains. Uh, this next entry might be controversial because there's, I'm sure that we have a lot of weird nerds listening to us, but Wish.com, Tony Stark, Elon Musk. The strongest argument for, the, for us being in a simulation, probably being in a simulation, I think is the following. Um, that, that 40, called 40, 40 years ago, we had Pong, like two rectangles and a dot. That right. was what games were. Um, now, 40 years later, we have photorealistic 3D simulations with millions of people playing simultaneously, and it's getting better every year. <laughs> that is a great way of describing him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't think of a guy who was more under the radar like in 2014 maybe right. it was like 2011 but like 2014 like under the radar right then he blew up and everyone was just kind of thinking like whoa this guy this is the man of the moment this is the man of the hour and then we all kind of got wise to his shtick right except for probably a couple thousand dudes on reddit yeah and, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, they're all very loyal to Bitcoin. So, I mean, they're able yeah. to still make those market forces work. But he just, uh, it's spoiled milk. Just like in the same way that I think, like, we've all kind of gotten over Andrew Cuomo. Like, how, you know, the general Democratic lib consensus was, whoa, this guy, man, like, he's taking charge. And then we all just kind of got bored of him during quarantine. <laughs> it's the same general idea of Elon Musk. Is Oh, we just kind of... Mostly we're wondering what he was up to. It wasn't that he was actually that cool to begin with. Right, right. And I mean, okay, cool. Electric cars, that sounds neat. The steering wheels keep falling off. That's a problem. There's a there's an autopilot and you have to pay extra for it to actually like work without killing you. Nice, it's, of it's, course. It's pretty cool. Um, and he's like, well, it doesn't actually drive itself. Well, you called it an autopilot. I don't... You, you yeah, gave, what, what, it's cruise control, you? dude. It's cru Just call it cruise control. <laughs> Come on. Oh, quick. He's going to make another flamethrower. Whoa, so Yay. cool. He is epic bacon. Uh, and that brings us God. to his speech patterns. He very much speaks in the way of sort of Reddit humor. This is the epic bacon. Although in person, uh, he speaks a little more creepily. According to uh, an interview with his ex-wife, his ex-wife says that he said to her very bluntly, I am the alpha in this relationship, which is not <laughs> fucked up at all. Um, another thing he told her is he was very controlling, and she said, hey, I'm your wife, not your employee. And his response was, if you were my employee, I would fire you. Which he ended up doing, because that's yeah. a quote from his ex-wife. So it's not like yep. you get to have the moral superiority on that statement, bro. Like... I think everything is going incredibly well in your life when you're talking to the woman you've decided to try and spend the rest of your life with by saying, I am the alpha. He had a bunch of kids with that face. woman, too. Like, ugh. Oh, 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 R.I.P. Samurai, right? Samurai. Is that, that, that's how they pronounce the name? Samurai. Or something ridiculous. Fibonacci sequence, hashtag, <laughs> Bitcoin... Velociraptor, <laughs> all, all of the Musk children. 
I, I saw it was a fake tweet screenshot, uh, but I loved it so much for, of Grimes, who said like, "Oh, we're we're both such big fans of fantasy. We were going to name our child after Lovecraft's cat, but we decided to it." <laughs> Oh my god! Oh no! I mean, I I don't think I don't think Grimes would, but Musk he very well might. Um, we'll get to that. In no, a minute, it's different though. in South Africa. It's pronounced differently. It's fine. <laughs> so let's before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about his sense of style. Uh, mainly that he's a huge fucking dork. Mm-hmm. There, I forget. I think it was a tweet. God, half of this is just us quoting funny tweets, but. I mean, go for it. Yeah. That's all podcasting yeah. is, at least my podcast. So, But the, someone pointed out that it's kind of amazing that Elon Musk and Grimes are a billionaire and a pop star, but there is zero glamour around them. Yes. You see them together and they just look like kind of greasy and weird, like they're possibly at a Ren fair and they've been there for a long time and they're kind of sweaty. Like they look like they don't smell real good. They're not actually using their money, and I, I, and this leads to my conspiracy theory that they aren't actually like really as well off or as millionaires as uh, as I think people think, because the the dude is always having to get external capital funneled in to make Tesla do well on the stock market, right. and it just I mean it screams like a Ponzi scheme. Then you know Grimes being a somewhat successful musician with a cult following can be good but it's 2020 like how much do you think she actually makes off of spotify you know (laughs) (laughs) it's there there are patreons that are much more successful than what she's able to get off of you know residuals from that money isn't real anyway so who knows that's true it's not real it doesn't exist it's fake (laughs) <laughs> if people think they're rich then they're crazy rich i guess that's how it works i don't know it's true it's true i'm gonna wear one of wyatt coke's shirts and i'm gonna <laughs> believe in myself the one with the money bags on it yeah <laughs> using the secret to like attract wealth into your life oh no 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 i'm just gonna, i'm just gonna leverage wyatt coke shirts fuck the secret nope nope it's gonna be uh only this from this point on oh god so let's go to his uh interesting origin story and this i think is an origin story that fits pretty well with james bond villains uh his family owned an emerald mine um in south africa during apartheid and abrupt abruptly left around the end of apartheid so that's fine Musk had some real issues with his father, and this is an instance in which I genuinely feel bad for the guy. Um, when interviewers ask him about his father, he instantly like gets close to tears. Like it's bad. Yeah, his dad. It's good. It's good. What are you talking about? He's that moved. He's. <laughs> his dad married his own stepdaughter. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of fucking bad shit going on in that. So. Uh. He, he has not spoken uh, openly about more details of his family, which honestly, I, I wouldn't either. But yeah, there's there's apparently some, I'm sure there are some really good reasons why uh, thinking about his father makes him extremely upset. So there's that. I will take a moment to note, though, that something that strikes me reading the history of in people, rich people with inherited wealth, just about every rich aristocratic family backstory legitimately looks like a supervillain origin story. 
Fiction does get it right in that case. Hack Hollywood screenwriters absolutely do write villainous backstories that are that are pretty well in tune with the life of any given aristocratic person. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you look at the history of anybody who's inherited millions of dollars, and it basically sounds like that one uh, Dr. Evil monologue <laughs> about being thrown in a sack and beaten with reeds. My father uh, often boasted he invented the question mark. <laughs> Man, I uh, I keep on thinking, though, like with Musk and with the storylines that you could make from it, if you just were to tell people who he was and go through like their, their origin, then ask, like, is this person, if I were to tell you that they were trying to become like a tech mogul, and build a rocket ship could we trust this person yeah. i think most people would say no no and instead he, he's overcome all of that yeah so. we have no memory we have zero memory the past does not relate to the present in any way what are you talking about that that's not happening <laughs> now that happened in some other time and that time is not now so it doesn't exist that's the uh, incredibly like super cool esoteric view of it Uh, all time is existing at the same point so how can we actually judge anyone from the past if the past is happening right now somewhere else man (laughs) (laughs) like all of the cells that were in his body then have regenerated and replaced themselves now i don't see what that has to do with anything if he was peter Thiel, he would be like that was four teenage boys ago (laughs) oh he can't judge me from that that was when I was allergic to mushrooms for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So what is Elon Musk's master plan? I'm trying to figure out what the fuck he's going for. It's, I mean, I feel like his master plan is to take all the cool shit he drew when he was a kid and make it real. <laughs> I uh, I think that, that his master plan is to get the most reddit points of anyone <laughs> on earth and After all society of the cool stuff he does fi- currency means nothing the only real currency is reddit gold and he has amassed <laughs> the most uh, it's like what they say if he has over two million reddit karma he belongs to the streets honey it's <laughs> can't tie him down <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's so lame. It's <laughs> so lame. I, I honestly could not tell you because any idea of what his master plan would be is on the table. So I can't even make a joke about it. Because if I was to say, oh, he's going to have this Ponzi scheme level structure of a drilling company that he's going to then turn into having it be horizontal instead of vertical drilling and call that revolutionary and then going to try and redo public transit as we know it by then just making it Uber again, but on a closed loop circuit. That would sound insane, but he's actively working towards that right now. So I have no idea. Uh, Probably his master plan is to bring apartheid back in in one way, shape, or form. Mm. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but he's gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out if he if he's gonna divide it along traditional lines, or if he's gonna divide it based on 
who can quote the most Monty Python lines without oh. <laughs> without like needing to prepare. Uh, he's he's going to try and get like real racist with it, but it won't work. He'll be like, if you enjoy freestyle rapping, go on this side of the line. If you enjoy improv, go on this side of the line. <laughs> and he's gonna be like, wait, no, hold on. What are you doing? My stereotypes. Something's horribly wrong. The simulation is off. Who owns the most bacon-flavored foods that aren't, like, (laughs) bacon-related? Like, who is the most epic Redditor, really? Yeah, it's it's all going to boil down to that. Yeah, yeah. Just going to be him and, uh, I don't know, some, like really cool Indonesian like 14 year old just getting into flame wars as the apocalypse takes place and uh I mean it it sounds sad but like that 14 year old is just owning him repeatedly oh absolutely (laughs) he tries to call the kid a pedo but the child is underage himself so it like just doesn't work it's completely deflected Yeah. His like, one what, weapon you like is 16 year old here. girls, you pedophile. I'm, like, I'm 14, bro. What's up? Come yeah. at me. <laughs> I like older women. <laughs> Can you say the same? <laughs> he tries to hire a, a private investigator to dig up dirt on the child, but this investigator also just takes the money and goes on vacation, like the previous one. Yeah, can we just call that like pulling a Tiger King? That was pretty cool. I gotta I yeah. respect to that guy just taking the money and just spending it on booze. That's pretty how good. How can I get into that racket, by the way, of like, you know, just being a PI or getting a reputation as a PI, but then when you get a ridiculous request, you just take the money and then fuck off. Yep. Because uh, that's, that's actual praxis right there. Mm-hmm. All right, so another uh, Silicon Valley villain. Let's talk about Elizabeth Holmes, bringing this bringing this list to feminism, showing that women can also be diabolical and evil and weird. <laughs> Theranos CEO and and youngest self made female billionaire, and by self made I mean her her parents were obscenely wealthy. Uh, I think her speech patterns are extremely um, famous and rather notorious. She does that weird fake deep voice like she's a kid pretending to be her dad calling in sick for her. This is what happens when you work to change things. And first they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden you change the world. I don't know what you're talking about. Talking like this the whole time, just, uh, that sounds completely can't normal. Come to school today. This is Elizabeth's father. She's very sick. it's so good i mean it's almost borderline offensive because you know like if if it was a like a guy and he was doing an extreme falsetto voice while trying to talk to you about like cosmetics industry type stuff or uh, something else along those lines people would would laugh it out because that just sounds ridiculous but you know woman talking deeply because she figured out that people actually will take her seriously that way right my god my god cracking the code right and her style was uh interesting too it was basically steve jobs cosplay black turtlenecks kind of messy hair i think she did strike a very careful balance to be the right amount of pretty like she's thin and blonde but she's not glamorous or feminine enough for men to totally objectify her. Uh, and I would like to point out the fact that the people she hoodwinked tended to be older men. 
while mm-hmm. women like her former professor at Stanford did not fall for her stupid bullshit. It was generally just like older horny men who had like weird paternalistic horny feelings to this this bright young lady. <laughs> so she was able to harness just enough horniness to like draw them in, but not enough horniness to like get to the point where, you know, things would get really unfortunate for her. And that is not an easy balance. No, no. And I, I can't say that, you know, I have any experience in, in that particular realm. Yeah. So, man. Yeah. So that was, that was, that does take some effort. Um, so style was interesting. Her origin story, story, even though she touted herself as one of the youngest self-made female billionaires, she was the daughter of one of Enron's vice presidents. <laughs> and for our Zoomer listeners, do we want to explain what Enron was? Enron was an energy company in California that was really shitty and evil. Um, that, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not Exxon um, is uh, my, my number one advice for all the Zoomers out there. Right. You're going to search you know, Enron. You're going to think, no, it has to be Exxon. No, the, it's a company actually named Enron. Yeah. It's important for you. And it was real <laughs> shitty, too. Uh, it was real bad. She studied chemical engineering at Stanford, but dropped out. Because, like, who the fuck needs reality to cramp your dreams? She wanted to build a black cube that could defy the laws of physics and thermodynamics. And she didn't need some fucking scientist to tell her, I'm sorry, that's not physically possible to do this with to diagnose all the diseases simultaneously using one single drop of blood. Well, uh, to be fair, the scientist telling her that was Dolph Lundgren, so she didn't really <laughs> take him that seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I almost respect her because she, the people she hoodwinked, all of the investors were these like really evil motherfuckers, like fucking Henry Kissinger and shit. She was like taking money from these guys to build bullshit, which I totally respect. Except that she was feeding people fake medical information, which is really fucking bad. Um, and she drove one of her scientists to suicide, which is horrible too. Yeah, that's the that's the part of the grift that you have a a real hard time with because you're like, yeah, take money from those rich fucks. They were gonna probably spend it on either your like bizarre obvious scam thing or more Department of Defense contract level yeah. funding. So why not spend it on this? But then when you have it be people trying to check and make sure that they actually actually do have diabetes or whatever because like they were going to set up these testing things like in cvs's right Right. and uh, i mean it was just going to kind of be like oh yeah 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 it was just going to be right there next to your blood pressure machine essentially was how it was pitched and then and instead turns out a drop of blood obviously isn't enough and uh it's just getting some random number generation of what disease you have according to this thing because then it would say like oh we could be wrong go go check it out with an actual doctor so who knows cancer survivors were hearing that it it was coming back and freaking out because of these tests and getting biopsies that they really didn't need and finding out no false alarm you're fine it's still in remission but like goddamn, that's that's a horrible thing to put a person through how many people do you think got told like and then when i went in the magic black box told me i had cancer uh me and my husband we just prayed and we prayed and we prayed then we went to the doctor (laughs) the doctor said there was no more cancer it works ladies and gentlemen 
We took Our some prayer. essential oils. We gave up gluten. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God, uh, the only thing to put a mind at ease after a snake oil salesman is another snake oil salesman. So. <laughs> we drank some of the Juicero juice and it just cleaned <laughs> us right out. Raw water for a week and a half as well. Uh, <laughs> I really, oh, I, I, I could talk about like stupid little scams like that. Well, oh god all, they're all magical day. i love it just just <laughs> hands down the 700 dollar capri sun machine it's so good <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful it's so <laughs> beautiful because the only people that you're actually grifting are the sharper image level motherfuckers so absolutely uh, if, if there weren't ties to the idf i would say it's a perfect crime so <laughs> Yeah, I mean the raw water guy. I mean, I still, I still believe that deep down, secretly, he's some sort of anti-capitalist crusader, just convincing rich people to poison themselves. And I fucking respect that. He is the Dark Knight. <laughs> Operating. Hero. <laughs> so I'm not sure what her master plan was. Like, she did she really believe that this shit was gonna work? What I. I think she was hoping that the technology would actually catch up at that point. That, like, in a weird way, like, with how uh, Star Trek inspired cell phone design at the beginning because of the way their communicators were designed. Right. Um, with the flip phone, that then she thought that by saying that they could do it with a drop of blood, that eventually people would say that they could do it with, like, a vial or something. And then she would just then uh, essentially glom onto that. And say, oh, okay, well, a drop will get you in the ballpark, but this small vial of blood, that will be the thing to confirm everything or whatever. I really thought that she was just kind of trying to run out the clock, if I had a guess. Yeah. Or just, I I don't know, maybe she genuinely believed she could, or maybe it was just, I I really didn't think this far ahead. (laughs) Like, people are going to give me a lot of money and tell me I'm cool. Um, Then what? I I don't need to think about that. I don't. The definition of why you should uh, think ahead and not cross that bridge when you get to it. That's a problem for future me. And yeah, future me isn't many... really me because my <laughs> cells will regenerate over the course of seven years. Once again, that, that worst guy at the house party. No, but it is you because time is a flat circle, man. I'm going to crush this PBR and explain to you, with a, drawing with a cigarette ash right now, how it all connects. Sorry, drawing on some very personal experiences here. <laughs> I think we've all met that guy at the college party. Unfortunately, we've yeah. all met that fucking guy. He was probably a light-skinned person with dreadlocks. I'm gonna guess. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Definitely Simultaneously, a 25 and 55 at the same time. I have <laughs> no idea. You're not sure if he was actually enrolled, but he was there. Just part of the culture of the campus. <laughs> okay, so let's move on from Silicon Valley to serial murder. One in the same, really. One in the same. Not that different. A high population of them in California. A high degree of sociopathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm focusing... I know we mentioned Charlie Manson, but he was like... Well, 
60, maybe even 70 years now. I don't know what time is anymore. But I wanted to focus on someone a little bit more recent, uh, Richard Knight Stalker Ramirez. I think he's a kind of an interesting character. Um, speech, I mean, I know he did a lot of like hail Sataning during the trial, but in interviews, what struck me about him is that he speaks about himself in a very passive way. They are desires whereas if, where if I didn't give in to them, I would be crushed by them. I believe in the in the evil in human nature. This is a wicked, wicked world. And uh, in a wicked world, you, wicked people are born. I'm not gonna blame society, my race, or people, or anything. Uh, it, it is up to the individual like myself uh, to, to keep on knocking on, on whatever door they wanna get into. Like uh, one thing he mentioned to an interviewer is, it's a wicked world. In a wicked world, wicked people are born. Just this very like distance from himself, very little acknowledgement of, of himself. Just sort of like, yeah, bad shit happens. You know, sometimes you just uh, wake up one day and you think, yeah, maybe there is more to life out there. Maybe uh, maybe I just need to go stab a whole bunch of co-eds. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Clothing style, regular 80s LA guy clothing, um, hoodie, sweatpants, jeans. Um, origin story. This is what I find interesting is his origin story. Abusive dad. His biggest influence, though, was an older cousin of his who fought in the Vietnam War and took Polaroids there of him and his army buddies uh, doing horrifying things to Vietnamese women. Um, and he would show women a little Women might Richard be an that. overstatement, right? Yeah. Like, because th- these were probably children, if I yeah. remember correctly. Could be. Not, not not to, you know, like, make the story even darker. I don't mean to yeah. quantify the horror. And be, um, like, actually, oh. um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were women. They were women. Judging by the age of consent law, as was established in 1970s yeah. Vietnam, these people... <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. But, yeah, that is his origin story, and I don't... I don't know why I focus on that, but I, that is the part of him that I find more interesting is that it's this culture of American violence kind of manifesting itself in America. And we have this idea of how could this happen? It's like, well, we we gave people awards for doing this in other countries. So, <laughs> yeah, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I just like to compare that to I don't know, movie serial killers. I'm thinking of campy serial killers who often have this, when I kill the seventh victim, I will open the gates to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like some real Son of Sam style. Well, I mean, Son of Sam, Zodiac, but right. seven, as you had mentioned earlier, that, that right. really hits the nail on the head. Right, and what was striking about most real-life serial killers is why did you why did you kill them? Like, I don't know, I just felt like it. Like, there's not this complex motivation of just like, yeah, it just kind of felt like it. Like, which I I know for a lot of people, like they want there to be something more grandiose out there. Course. They want there to be like some mythology. But to me, that makes it more horrifying. Right. To just know that that oh well, I mean, I could have gotten oranges at the grocery store, but instead I brutally murdered this family of six. Just because, uh, you know, uh, like, don't you, don't you just hate where you end up some Tuesday afternoons? Like, th- that mentality is so alien to me 
But to right. then know that there are people who genuinely possess that, that's more unnerving than to think, oh, well, troubled background, troubled past, all of these other factors. Of course, this is what got made here. Right. Um, I mean, he had a troubled past, but I guess of course, Ted Bundy, yeah. comparatively, he said, like, no, I had a great childhood. Everything was fine. My parents <laughs> loved me. They were nice. Life was fucking awesome. I just like murdering people. Like, fuck. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to categorize this. Yeah, at, at what point, by the way, like, can we just say that Ted Bundy just undefeated is what he remains? Because when the the Netflix documentary came out and then that, that movie w with uh, Zac Efron as Ted Bundy came out and right. people were thirsting for him all over the internet. Yeah. Just like, that happened already. Like, he had two generations of women fawning after him and... uh Man, just bizarre. Yeah. People are good and normal. Especially because of the internet, though. That's, oh, yeah. That's the important thing. It only makes us more good and more normal. And that's why I'm going to sacrifice my eldest child to uh, Elon Musk. That way, then, <laughs> I can go into space in the Zoom Zoom car. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, I guess that would be the master plan. The mas I mean... Charles Manson had a spectacular master plan, which was to incite a race war, um, which, okay, at least you got ambitions. I give you credit How for did, that. Uh, he just, uh, man. He Charles was not Manson good at me, it, though. He, um, yeah, yeah. Like, if you really wanted to do that in L.A. in the 60s, there are hundreds of other ways that you could incite a race war. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Like, it was all bubbling just underneath the surface, but, like, you also really had to keep it your super cool little cult, didn't you? So, you just went with the most bullshit idea of, uh, it, it, what's that photo of the old man in the driveway with the graffiti that says, we blacks rule? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> blacks, who definitely made this graffiti, rule. <laughs> it's just, uh man uh so lame oh, so lame God, disappointing. definitely the worst member of the beach boys by far <laughs> <God damn. laughs> but i think most of them don't really have a master plan they just kind of feel like murder and and, and that's it that's yep. it which is so, so so bleak and nihilistic and awful um which i think might pro probably be why so many writers love to put this grandiose thrilling master plan or like oh he had this whole cosmology and the murders fit into it it was a sacrifice to a dark god it's just uh felt like it well did it at least make you happy like not really well even like true detective right in in season 1 like for all the nihilism and just the world weariness that these detectives had because they had encountered so many uh you know just troubling things over the course of their careers even that ended with the yellow king or whatever the hell the name was there and it had this flourish and this this um wrap-up kind of a moment because it needed to have that cinematic quality whereas the real nihilism would just be it's another case you retire, then you start hearing about cases, and you're no longer on the force, so you can't do anything about it. And it's just going to keep on going that way until you die. Like, Ugh. it's fun yeah. times. It's fun times. Uh, and I, I guess, I, uh, speaking out loud, I can see why they wouldn't have gone with that. <laughs> right, because you can see audiences going, no! 
Wow. <laughs> just just Why continues to tie into that. Why is this show about serial killers more uplifting at the end? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. I get, oh God, I, I've gotten into so many arguments with people over Twin Peaks. Like, oh, why didn't this couple end up together? Why they have to end up un- unhappy? I'm like, I'm sorry about a show. If this show about a girl being raped and murdered by a demon possessing her father is upsetting to you, I don't know what to tell you. But it's upsetting to me, though. To me personally, that they didn't do this weird headcanon thing that I thought that they should have done. Why isn't my fanfiction real? I mean, that, that honestly, I think is where someone like the fucking uh, Disney Marvel world universe construct. I don't know what the term is now. Because they don't say cinematic universe because it's it's now all like also on their streaming service type stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Plus, um, it's not cinema, as Martin Scorsese uh, said. <laughs> yes, I would. That would be a hell of a double down. The uh, Marvel <laughs> roller coaster uh, universe, as it's called. <laughs> um, but like every couple months, they give a new piece of content out there. So right. like they quell every fan's ability to have these insane, outlandish theories that then inevitably don't live up to all of that hype. Right. Just because they they keep on feeding like an assembly line, which there are inherent problems with that format completely. Don't get me wrong, but not having this overzealous toxic fan base like what might happen with like Rick and Morty or something um, (laughs) is is much better in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is that for it. All right. Now, let's move on from like really big villains and murderers to like sort of more small petty villains because hey not every story is about like murder and international crime sometimes stories are just dramas and the villain is someone who's just a dick so let's talk about uh one particular dick uh a guy named hugo schweitzer if you're unfamiliar with him then that's good and you've been living your life well but (laughs) maybe about five ten years ago on very on the blogosphere when that was still a thing, Hugo Schweitzer was the male feminist. Whenever like a feminist publication needed a man to say stuff, they'd get Hugo Schweitzer. He was this, I guess, a women's studies professor. He was a very, very enlightened male, sort of, except it turned out that he had a long history of treating women like absolute garbage. As a college professor, he frequently slept with students, undergrads. Um, In one instance, he actually tried to kill his girlfriend, but he was really fucking good at uh, using that sort of academic feminist rhetoric, the rhetoric of self-care, the rhetoric of forgiveness and redemption and enlightenment to manipulate others. And I think that's a really important sort of villainous speech pattern that I think is, is useful to notice because it's I, I see it a lot in the real world which is sort of the use of enlightened social justice language to be a fucking monster well because <laughs> he created the blueprint right like i don't know if now is you know necessarily like the the, the best time to bring it up but it meltdown may is is happening right oh, now yeah. while this recording is occurring and it seems like every fucking semi-prominent out there leftist wokish kind of guy is as it turns out just an absolute and total monster in one way shape or form and that then 
people are now getting to the point to where like they're pulling up tweets of when they were dunking on other people being revealed to be sex pests and then just using it directly on them instead. And uh, th- this guy, he good old good old Hugh or Hugo rather. Do you think he goes by Hugh or Hugo? I don't like know. like among his friends. He he just really was able to nail like what you were talking about taking all of the verbiage of of progressive language and then applying it to just the most regressive type of actions uh, and it, it just seems like this is a guy who slimy is an understatement when using a descriptor for hearing about what he's done makes me feel oh yeah he is super gross and even his meltdown may well it wasn't in may i think it was in july uh some years ago even his meltdown tweets just are just sick are just dripping with that sort of self-care victimhood social justice bullshit um part of his blog post where he's sort of talking about how he quits the internet because people are too mean to him for one the toxicity of takedown culture is exhausting and dispiriting I'll admit it, I'm a most imperfect man. I have an absolutely dreadful past, one for which I continue to make quiet amends. So I'm done. Like, oh, you guys are being so mean to me just because that one time I tried to murder my girlfriend. Yeah, it's it was a one-time kind of thing. It's a one-time kind of thing. Yeah, how many of us at this DSA potluck convention, uh, <laughs> which is where we've all been gathered, have, have, have not attempted to kill your girlfriend? Yeah, mm-hmm. I see no reason why a man who has attempted to murder his girlfriend shouldn't be a prominent voice in the feminist community. It- I mean, who else are you going to get? <laughs> I can't think of a single better person to talk about feminism. Than a 40-something at, at that point instead of mid-50s. White man. Yes, who tried to you. murder a woman. <laughs> He also uh, uh, had sex with porn stars, like that he invited, like to be speakers, like that. That was his racket for a while, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, but I wasn't as online as I am now. But I, I remember yeah. hearing vaguely about, uh, like, a couple of people about where he would just kind of be like, "Hey, yeah, you should totally come and give a speech." And then after that, we can hang out for drinks, maybe see what happens. And what do you mean that this is an occupation? Huh? How come? How come you don't want me? How come you don't want this assistant yeah. adjunct professor at a local community college? <laughs> don't be so sex negative. <laughs> you know, oh, 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 calling a porn star sex negative. Jesus Christ. The patriarchy oh tells women to hate their bodies and like to guard their bodies like it's a precious, you know, possession, but like no, man, the patriarchy really wants you to be, like, uptight and, uh, and puritanical and, like, oh. <laughs> uh, There's so I, many I, of those guys. How many people have hit you up with that, like, let's just say in the past month? Oh, you God, know? there are so many of those guys. <laughs> there are a million of those guys. It, it just, th- there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no way it, that the those guys i think can ever survive on a long enough timeline because this is clearly just the latest mask that they're wearing 
Oh, like yeah. 10 years ago, you know, they were reading the game and all those PUA tactics. Right. And you know, like 20 years before that, they were just getting really into like, oh, I'm going to become like uh, Gordon Gecko, Wall Street, money never sleeps. Yeah. Right. Like that mentality. Uh, I mean, it, it's just whatever that it boy facade is <laughs> of that micro generation, that, that's what they're doing. And you know, we can all trace all of this back, I guess, to John Mayer in one way, shape, or form. But th- this this gentleman here, if I can call it that, it just really seems like there's an element of narcissism that is not able to be placated through anything other than getting um, a, a female stranger to acknowledge him and give him the validation publicly, not not just privately, but publicly. Yeah. So. We've got a speech, uh, style, nothing really special about that. He looks like every other college professor in California, polo shirts, jeans, glasses. I looked for his origin story. Both parents were philosophy professors, so uh, that's where the trouble started. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, well, yeah. that's when you know you're going to just raise a monster. Pretty Not much. one, but two philosophy majors? Ugh. yeah. Yeah, that's not a thing that's supposed to happen. That's not all right. Both philosophy professors, not just majors. Oh, just, just man, like, that's right. Oh, that's no. Right. <laughs> yeah, actually, I majored in uh, chemical engineering, but then uh, I got yeah. taken to a different path due to my amazing professor, Dolph Lundgren. He's everywhere these days. <laughs> yeah, so that, I guess, is his supervillain origin story. Uh, he was raised by his mom after his parents divorced, but he remained connected to his dad. Master plan, I guess, ego gratification of being the good man after being a fucking garbage bag to so many women for so long. Yeah. I guess. I, I mean, it, it, it just is... Sorry, I, I don't mean to, to cut you off. It just mm. seems like, speaking of micro-generations, that, like the next wave that at least I would be predicting is the hiding under the veneer of uh, gender identity politics. Ooh, I was going to say Marxism. Oh, well, I mean, Marxism, yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's that, already that, here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that, uh, that that's going to be really hard to shake. <laughs> is Monogamy uh, is bourgeois. Yeah, it's scarcity of resources, of just saying we can only be committed to each other. What sort of lifestyle is that? What example are we setting? <laughs> Anyways, I don't believe in gender roles, but I also have not become self-sufficient enough to cook for myself or clean up after myself. So I'll need you to take up the lead on all of that. But I would also enjoy the fact if you could also work because this apartment is definitely not going to pay for itself. And I have like a part-time job as a barista because I'm really, really, really just trying to make this podcast work with like four of my favorite friends. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like he would be a podcaster today is my point. Like, Yeah, podcaster be... and, and Twitch streamer. I mean, mm. yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I know at least on my uh, the the podcast I'm a part of because I'm part of the problem as well. Absolutely, um, we both are. <laughs> my uh, co-hosts, they are fantastic uh, at Twitch streaming, and they do Animal Crossing and Minecraft and all of these other like really cool fun games. Um, but I cannot get over 
having that level of of egoism but in the good way to think strangers on the internet will want to watch me play a video game and like my personality will shine through that much that dozens and hundreds of people will want to tune in for that right. and uh i mean i i still am having to get over hearing my own voice sometimes so i i can only imagine how they're feeling Look, scolding me for trying to be a full-time Twitch streamer, even though I'm only making $20 a month from it, you know, you're really buying into <laughs> capitalism's idea of what useful labor is and what isn't. <laughs> like, I really think you need to abandon capital's idea. I'm sorry I don't fit into the ruling class's idea of what worthwhile work is. That that really is the thing I'm I'm looking forward to the most after the revolution is that way then we can like confirm that these people are losers because even in a post capitalist society uh, these people are still burnouts it's a uh, it's a good time <laughs> <laughs> anime appraisers what's that joke like after the I, my anxiety prevents me from doing any kind of strenuous labor of any kind so after the revolution my job will be anime appraiser. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the the thing I still can't get out of my head is how several people I knew towards the end of high school and then uh, following into college I had stayed in contact with. They uh, got into Bitcoin very early on for uh, less than entirely legal reasons. Ooh. And then when like the, the boom happened, they cashed out right at the peak. And Good for them. So, I mean, they, they just rode that wave. And then now they are trying to, to pivot all of that and have been for about a year now into being like prosperity, gospel, but whatever the atheist version of that is. Oh, no. Types. Like, it was all part of a strategy, you know, not like they were trying to like buy assault rifles and like massive amounts of ketamine from some <laughs> guy and not get traced for it. And I think that a lot of... That tie can tie into this in the sense of people will take on to one thing and they'll take on to it as an aesthetic. And it's just so happened to become popular at this moment. Right. And because they've, you know, disguised themselves into that aesthetic already, suddenly they're in the mainstream of it because, I mean, social media tends to benefit the more sociopathic members of our society and right. narcissistic members more than anything else. And so all of a sudden they're at the forefront of this and then they're being put up on pedestals when everyone in the real life is like, oh, holy fuck, that that guy? Like, that's the guy? Like, I, I don't know if we want to name names here. Uh, I won't. I won't right now but you know if we want to circle back into it right. but uh th there's a twitter account who we all know that he's a professor at a college like we it's we all know this we all know that he like has sex with his students and then s people still follow him re Ugh. you know regularly i think and i know who you're talking about i can't remember the name though um i mean i'll say it if you're comfortable with it if you uh, want uh, to go ahead yeah i mean it's cognitarians yeah, you know freddie nietzsche i believe is the term not to be confused with the other sex pest at on the only real leftist or whatever the fuck oh, that guy's handle was it's this weird moment of where they kind of popped up right before things got big so then they rode the wave and then people think oh well you know they're big and i you know i see screenshots of them on facebook or in instagram and whatever so these are people who i can i can rely on and expect to 
give me feedback and give me insight when in reality they just kind of right place right time for right. all the wrong reasons yeah ugh, it's it's gross and it's so easy to do unfortunately <laughs> it really is it makes me want to like be be a grifter like if i could i would be a grifter but not of these mm-hmm. people it, it yeah. ties in a little bit to like the the next group um right the, the, well the, well well, I'm reminded. Remember that I think that black woman on tri- on Twitter, who got a bunch of MAGA guys to just give her money because she claimed yes. that her parents were kicking her out for being a Trump supporter. Yes. Like, I, God bless that woman. She's a genius. I love yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> hands down, one of, one of the better uh, just oh. scams that someone can run. Yeah, that's just the kind of thing I would want to do. Like keep that people who genuinely moving. deserve to be ripped off and <laughs> give half the money to charity and spend the other half on weed. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, like so many grifters, like if they actually make that like their their actual thing and their aesthetic, like what Candace Owens has done, they, they inevitably play a little too fast, too loose and they get like into QAnon circles. Right. And uh, that's, that's when I think you know that you need to start pulling way the fuck back. But inevitably, they always double down because they see this as an untapped market for them. Right. And it's lucrative. I mean, no matter what, how ridiculous you get, people are going to keep... Yeah, there, these, there's like a group of These people are like, not going to wise up. They're going to keep like paying you for it. So you keep doing it until people start trying to break into your house to teach you I'm, about the Illuminati or whatever the fuck. Yeah, we have, you know, like 30 people, I think, all in all are kind of like the, the vanguard of sorts that are, are talking about what is Q and this is the message from Q and all, all this sort of stuff and creating the the vast mythos. The Q universe. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Don't give them that. <laughs> Don't, please. Um, <laughs> it, it's a picture of a galaxy, but it's completely flat. So, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, these people, though, it's not that many, but they have forever shaped politics now yeah. because so many people have bought in and the people who haven't fully bought in are at least adopting their talking points. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of grifters, let's talk about, again, another set of petty, disgusting grifters, fucking MRAs. Hell yeah. This is a little 2015 maybe, but oh. Oh, no, they're still speech. around. Oh, yeah. They're still uh, around, I mean, kind of. I mean, they've pivoted more toward like QAnon shit, but they're still kind of around and, and it's still the MRA-ness sort of still gloms into this massive, repulsive, bad ideas. Like, <laughs> I used to make jokes all the time. Again, probably around circa like 2015, 2016, about being part of like the Volcel Vanguard of sorts of just like the. Now nowadays, I guess the term would be the anti-horny left, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, for for me, it, it was just you know like my the brand was not horny posting; it was bashing on people for horny posting and then uh, trying to get you know some some cool points, I guess off of that and trying to get people to try and join my cause but it is spun out into insanity these days like yeah all all that they want to talk about are blatantly misogynistic things that somehow always bleed into racist things because it's always like vaguely white supremacist oh yeah language the the entire time 
I, I, I think that with them, they are a directionless void because they define themselves so much, uh, at least at the beginning, as dad who just wants his kids back kind of a uh, mentality. To dad then, who like, was denied custody for a very good reason, it turns out. Yeah. Uh, listen, you, you domestically abuse your wife once and you have uh, uh, 150 sexual abuse allegations. Uh, suddenly, the, the courts don't want you around your kids anymore. It's what fucking do you mean bullshit. I gotta feed them? What the fuck? Yeah, that's... I'm a that man. Is... I don't cook. That's women's work. Okay, well, your ex-wife is going to get custody. What? Yeah, I demand no. custody of my child. Okay, well, you're going to have to take care and provide for your child. This is some bullshit. Oh, I can't believe this. This is persecution. <laughs> my rights. My rights. My rights. I just want to have them. I don't want to take care of them. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. My favorite subsect uh, of the groups that you know aren't full-blown red-pilled or full-blown white supremacist or full-blown um, QAnon are the people who now believe that if you remain abstinent, that you will get superpowers. Nice. <laughs> like, like legitimate superpowers. Like you can move objects with your mind and everything else. And if you don't have superpowers, it's because you haven't waited long enough. And it's the most brilliant troll. I don't know how someone bought that, but it just is insane to me. That, that, that's, that's great. Whoever came up with that was clearly making fun of them, and then people bought that for some reason because everyone's kind of been somewhere where you were focusing on something, and then, then like the air shifted slightly, and then that thing moved like an empty bag of chips or right. a pencil rolled. And so enough people, ha I guess, had that happen. They thought it's because no one has fucked me in so long <laughs> that this occurred. <laughs> Just brilliant. I'm so horny that I can move objects with my mind. <laughs> That's great. I it, I I fully support only guys, this line though. of thought. <laughs> I fully support this. <laughs> Good for them. This is the best possible conclusion that you could come to, though, because this is the one where they like avoid women. Yeah, and that's good. It legitimately becomes, there was this uh, subgroup, I'm trying to remember what the names were. One of them was called Training for Jerusalem, which let, let's, uh, Knights Templar are like a, a whole different bag there. So already tempting with the white supremacist language, but like it was a bunch of these guys who became like hardcore workout bros. And then like, it was a sub bodybuilding forum, essentially. But for these no fap guys. <laughs> so, oh my god. So they were just getting so ripped because they thought that they could become like superheroes or super villains rather. <laughs> oh just god. waiting for the telekinesis to kick in. That is magical. <laughs> I I oh god. So <laughs> I mean I know it's hard to pin these guys down in terms of speech styles, but you've got the sort of weird reddity slang. You've also got a lot of these guys genuinely do try to like talk like Skeletor. Yes. Like they really do try to affect that like cartoon villain speech yeah, style. Uh, uh, uh. 
which is kind of it's kind of weird like there's a guy who he i guess he sounds like megatron but he's talking about not masturbating and it's kind of a strange <laughs> trip that i was not ready for <laughs> like, uh, i'm just, just really picturing like autobots don't jack off <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the only other person I can think of, like a public figure who imitates that style of speech and writing, is Sebastian Gorka. Like, he really does talk like a cartoon supervillain. And it's kind of yeah. great because, like, his influence is gone now. All he does is he has a radio show where some Canadian prank call guy keeps calling him up and making fun of the size of his head. So he's doing that, like, oh, have I triggered the libs in response to, yeah, I so see your head's real big, Dan. It's real large. <laughs> it's like a balloon in. <laughs> like doing that thing where you're trying to pretend you're not mad, but you're very clearly mad. And it's just, it it's kind of magical. It's pretty good. Style. MRA style is oh, Italian chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very distinct. I, I think we all know like what their style is because it's still exists yes. like. don draper cosplay it's so good it's so good <laughs> fedora and bowling shirt it it really is the Sword. uh it's the antithetical version of what wyatt coke has going on because <laughs> like it's darkest timeline wyatt coke is uh <laughs> what, what their style is like there are flames there is dragons there is definitely some eastern culture appropriation oh yeah uh, subtly hinted at throughout so yeah like when you sign up for one of those forums you are just like a katana arrives in the mail and, uh, the, you don't even okay. gotta order it it just shows up and this really is me further telling on myself um the whole reason that i've discovered these like workout warrior no fab wannabe supervillain guys is because like they had the most realistic and poignant kratom reviews of any part of the internet like <laughs> they would go into like taste consistency uh the best way to break it down like whether or not like this particular strain worked better with orange juice or with chocolate milk or whatever i mean like they they went in they had these amazing tips because that's the other thing that they were just like all hopped up on my god these these poor poor guys okay <laughs> Well, I mean, stop clocks. <laughs> and and I mean, it's a way for them to like subsist on food without having to cook, which is feminine. And it's not okay for them to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm just picturing them like next to uh, uh, a microwave deciding to pledge no. fealty to it. <laughs> I'm not going to touch those buttons. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Unless you're that one MRA cook who suggested shoving a frozen chicken breast in the oven for a full hour on 400 degrees. Oh my god, That no. was magic. Putting it in some leftover Hardy's dipping sauce. Oh! And you got a meal fit for Caesar, my friend. Oh! Oh, no. Oh, so <laughs> that good. just kept getting worse. It's so good. 
<laughs> I love it so much. Okay, so style uh, exquisite. Of course. Origin story. Um, I mean, obviously, we're, we're generalizing for a whole group of people, but it, one thing I've found over and over again with MRAs is an ab- either physically or emotionally absent father's. Oh, absolutely. No, no, over that's not over overgeneralizing again. at all. Mostly because that's also true pretty much for like for any male, realistically. That's true. <laughs> and it's interesting because usually I guess the Hollywood hack screenwriter thing would be they hate women probably because their mom was abusive. It's like, no, mom was okay and normal. It's just dad was like a garbage bag. Yeah, like dad wasn't there. I never learned how to play catch. Yeah. So... I decided to like I, figure I out how I never learned how to shave and I blame feminism. Like, well, you could <laughs> did your dad teach you? No. Well, that sounds like a dad problem and not a feminism problem. Did a bunch of burly feminists like wrestle him into submission whenever he tried to show you how to shave? No. <laughs> I still not. carry the scars of my father uh, not teaching me how to <laughs> yeah. shave properly because yeah. uh, half of my face is growing with the grain the other half it's growing against by that I just mean <laughs> it, it's just sprouting in all different directions everything's a horror show when it's yeah. just down to stubble it looks like a fucking Van Gogh starry night is happening <laughs> across my face oh god Although uh, notori- Paul Elam's uh, origin story was pretty notorious, he, according to an interview with BuzzFeed, he said that his the moment he knew he was becoming an MRA was when he was 13 and his mom forced him to take diarrhea medicine. So there's a lot going on there. I, there's so... Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, oh, man. It's it's funny, like, you're at the age when you understand that medicine fixes bodies and that diarrhea is a problem. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you can be at that age and just be, like, shitting uncontrollably and saying, I'm okay with this. I will take no steps to correct this state of affairs. Because you're cutting, bro. Because you're cutting. You're getting cutting. ripped. Getting swole. And this, just trying to imagine being the mom, your your son is just leaving a trail wherever he goes, and you're like, oh my fucking god, would you just put this in your mouth? I can't deal with this. You're too old. I can't. Fuck you. you just pry his mouth open and put it in like he's like he, like giving a cat a pill. This is what happens when you fucking eat only frozen food for seven days in a row. You haven't had vegetables since winter. (laughs) Oh, my God. So that's a pretty cool origin story. And it's pretty amazing that he, like, comfortably told a reporter that, like, trying to think that it would make him sound cool or epic somehow. Like, my origin story is I pooped a lot. and, And the matriarchy tried to stop me. (laughs) <laughs> and um so what is the master plan here of these guys i mean obtain superpowers i that's pretty cool actually that's a pretty sweet master plan yeah i mean i i think that uh i think that that's really like ultimately at least some of their master plans i think yeah. like on, on like a much darker more serious note just stripping women away of all of their rights uh, right. just kind of to make themselves feel better. If they can't improve, they can drag other people down. Right. And so uh, as long as then that gives someone t- uh, for them to shit on, uh, not with diuretics. 
then yeah. uh, th- they'll consider themselves happy. What strikes me, though, is interesting is they're still never happy, though, because, I mean, they talk about how they hate career women, but in traditional relationships where the man is the primary breadwinner, they complain that the woman's a gold digger. It's like, well, oh, yeah. you're, you're where the money comes from. When she wants a new shirt, she ha- she's going to ask you for money to buy the shirt because that is the way to get money. And they're like, you bitch! Like, I'm getting drained here. How could I, you? Like, I don't know... I don't know what you need. You want here? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's something. It it is. So, let's tie it together. Of the various villains we've discussed today, which real life villain seems kind of closest in mannerism, style, origin story, and master plan to a campy fictional villain? Oh boy. Oh, like a, a villain like that I would root for or like a real world like Bond villain type because I mean like the, the like mm. the one who I would I want is Wyatt Coke of course just because he, he's <laughs> my, my, my favorite I'm thinking but. in terms of like yeah someone a, a Bond villain a Disney yeah. villain oh yeah then I mean it really it's Elon Musk right like he mm. just because he came from like the evil villain blueprint factory like, yeah he, he gained sentience, and that's kind of what happened. The fact that Elon Musk and Elizabeth Holmes haven't like had a kid together is kind of bizarre to me. You would that's think that like Jeffrey Epstein would set that up, set up that meat cute for them. Oh God, what a nightmare! My money is—I I know her master plan is lacking, but Ghislaine Maxwell, just because of the style and the British accent. Yeah, yeah. I'm going for style points. That British accent gives her an edge. I could, I could actually really see like a Pierce Brosnan Bond having yeah. like a, a conversation with her over cocktails. So yeah, yeah. Because th- sh- there's always the evil girlfriend that Bond has to defeat. <laughs> She's 100 percent the evil girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, that would make her the Halle Berry, I guess, of this group. So not, not the worst lot to be in. Right. All right. And let's look at a couple of fictional villains or one or two fictional villains who you think sort of break the template, who don't fall into campy, speechifying, well, Mr. Bond type villain. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start Annie fucking Wilkes. Yeah. From Stephen King's Misery, my favorite, favorite villain of all time, because she's completely over the top and extreme and ridiculous and 100% real. I have met Annie Wilkes. I have met multiple Annie Wilkeses. <laughs> there are a lot of them in fandom. Several of them probably write for the Mary Sue. <laughs> you get a character that's so extreme and so over the top, but absolutely real and i give stephen king so much credit for creating that like he this was before fandom was such a big thing before it was this all-consuming before geek culture sort of swallowed everything else so like he didn't have as much to work with while while creating her but he, he got it down not not just like the extreme fandom but also the sort of sexual weirdness this like strange puritanical streak where she'll murder people but she won't use swear words the the dowdiness like perfect 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 villain i mean i i think that's why she's so iconic that that she is able to just rely on the force of personality that she maintains and that's what's made it uh so timeless 
So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah I think Stephen King, I, I don't think he's a great writer, but I think his villains are fantastic. Mm-hmm. His monsters, eh, okay, but like, I think his human villains are just fucking brilliant. They're just horribly repugnant, but incredibly memorable and feel very, very real. And they're not like cute or sympathetic or, oh, here's the bad incident in childhood and here's why you have to feel sorry for me. And they're not more likable than the hero, um, which was, I think, was a deliberate choice for him. And he, that's like his strength in writing is writing these just absolutely nightmarish human beings. And Annie Wilkes is the queen of them all. She's she is the blueprint. I think is, is that meme gonna still be popular by the time uh, it comes up? Overlay that for everyone. Oh, I love it. I love her. What about you? Uh, mine is is someone who I think keeps on getting underrated. I mean, not as underrated as Annie Wilkes, but mm. it's the T one thousand because mm. that that is one of just the most cut print post level villains on paper and the the performance in the movie really made uh everything seem much more visceral and much more real but then the more i thought about the t-1000 the more i was like this 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 thing does not have any actual template behind it you know that doesn't really speak the style is liquid metal uh, so it, it's very adaptable to whatever it is. And I mean, from origin wise, it, like it's constantly changing because no one can ever decide like what Skynet actually is because we have to keep on coming out with Terminator movies every right. six years or so. And I mean, in terms of a master plan, it has just one singular goal of killing one woman. And then uh, uh, it would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those meddling <laughs> kids. It's almost the polar opposite, I would say, of your villain, because this guy has no personality whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, like, there's blank slate uh, about this, but then there's no reasoning with it. Right, he's just a void. Mm-hmm. I, this is this is really a, a, a podcast episode that's delving into my psyche and I'm discovering <laughs> some things about myself and the uh, the weird horrors that I'm grappling grappling with in the middle of quarantine. So, oh yeah, yeah, but he is great. He's he's fantastic, and I do love the the subtle uh, subversiveness of making the big baddie of your movie a cop. Yes, I mean that's pretty cool, James Cameron surprisingly woke in certain areas uh not not going to defend avatar but you know really bringing light to a big corporation's uh, satire uh for a long time yeah yeah anyway so why don't we wrap it up uh is there something you would like to promote where can we find and support your work oh thank you so much you can go ahead and find uh, the community I'm a part of, Dol- uh, Psychic Dolphin Garage, on Twitter, at Dolphin Garage. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Culture Truther, because uh, I couldn't think of a better name when I was trying to, uh, to switch over to a new account. Yeah, I mean, we, we got a whole lot of stuff going on there. If you just hit us up on Twitter, then we'll direct you to the Discord and the Twitch, the Instagram, just every other form of it. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to guide you along from that point. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for joining us. That was really fun. 
Yes. Surprisingly is... fun, considering we spent like 20 minutes talking about a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish episode. I could say that that is not some of my forte, but covering uh, dark topics and trying to find some semblance of humor is uh, one, one of the few things that I am uh, okay at. Not writing, not spelling, barely speaking, but I, I, I try and cobble it together. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. That was fantastic. And thank you, audience, for listening. That's all for this episode. If you like what you heard, head on over to patreon.com slash writegood and sign up. Book Club tier members get a monthly bonus episode in which we talk in depth about a work of fiction like The Yellow Wallpaper or The Iron Dream. Once we hit 20 subscribers, we'll open up the Lament configuration and do a special episode on Clive Barker's The Hellbound Heart. So sign up. We have such sights to show you. And be sure to listen to us next time when we talk about sex work in writing. Until then, keep writing good. KittySneezes.com in color. <laughs>